Good afternoon to you. I'm Al Cresta. On May 2nd, Politico published a draft majority opinion of the U.S. Supreme Court in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. We've talked about this a number of times already, and uh, I've also have a 12-minute commentary at AveMariaRadio.net dealing with uh, what the pro-life future may look like. The draft, and I want to stress, as I've said all along, this is a draft. But the draft reverses the landmark Roe v. Wade decision, which, of course, found a federal constitutional right to an abortion. Uh, Craziness uh, has emerged as a result of this. In fact, this weekend uh, at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor on their uh, what's called the Diag uh, there on the campus, uh, about 2,000, according to the Detroit Free Press, 2,000 demonstrators chanted, bans off our bodies, uh, and then they listed a bunch of speeches from Michigan's, some of elected officials, and also from Planned Parenthood's executive director, Nicole Wells-Stallworth. Uh, I happen to notice, though, a, a column by Judge Michael Warren dealing with this Dobbs leak and how this is an occasion for us to really remember that the United States, uh, the Michigan Constitution, both have three branches of government, and we have to retain the integrity of these branches of government. Uh, The Honorable Michael Warren was appointed to the Oakland County Circuit Court in December of 2002. He's currently on the business court and has a criminal docket. In 2009, he created Patriot Week with his then 10-year-old daughter, which renews America's spirit by celebrating our first principles. Uh, I should say, recently, uh, a number of us here from Ave Maria Radio had the opportunity to participate and enjoy uh, his uh, Patrick Henry Awards dinner. Uh, again, we'll have more about that a little bit later. But Judge Warren is author of America's Survival Guide, How to Stop America's Impending Suicide by reclaiming our first principles in history. And you can follow his work at americasurvivalguide.com and at patriotweek.org. Judge, good to have you back here. Thanks. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Let's talk about uh, the event of this leak. Uh, I think a lot of us were shocked because the Supreme Court is generally seen as, you know, the, the, the American institution that has been most successful at uh, avoiding things like leaks or the kind of overt, uh, shabby uh, politicking that we see is a necessary part of our legislature in the executive branch. Were you shocked at this leak? Well, I hate to say that nothing shocks me anymore, but I was very surprised. Okay. Um, I think that uh, it was pretty transparent attempt influence the court yep. in one way or another uh, in connection with this very vital issue. Uh, and um, based on you know where our society has gone in the last, uh, I would say, generation, but even just the last few years, um, so many norms have been broken uh, in connection with what might have been considered a civility and a, and a civic discourse. That unfortunately, I think it was inevitable that this 
kind of uh, leap was going to happen under our, our existing culture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of the problem of this is not just the fact of the leak, but it also is a draft opinion, which um, there's still time to go. I mean, we don't know if this was... It was. It looked to be a first draft, according to the document itself. We don't know uh, if Justice Alito was laying this thing out um, without cons- without uh, considering possible dissents. We don't know exactly what the status of this uh, draft is, do we? Uh, not really at all. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, put, I'll say in my personal practice as a judge, I often produce a first draft, revise it heavily, sometimes I actually come to the opposite conclusion that I started with. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm writing, I don't know where I'm headed, because I'm reading both sides as I'm drafting. Uh, So uh, I would just caution all of your listeners uh, and others that might be reading the column that we really don't know where uh, that majority will end um, up. And uh, you point out, I think quite rightly, that there's no reference to it. I haven't read it uh, word for word because I think it's kind of a waste of time because we don't just (laughs) draft. Uh, But... Uh, from what I know about it, uh, you know, there is no reference to a dissent. Right. There is no reference to a concurrence. Um, I've heard a number of legal scholars point out, you know, they thought certain parts of it were stronger than others. And I'm thinking, geez, maybe some of these folks are listening and they're, they're authoring the decision, which should not happen. Uh, but um, we, we really don't know uh, what the final result will be until the Supreme Court actually issues the opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's so troubling is that, of course, we have three branches of government, one that is supposed to make the law, the legislative branch, right. one that's supposed to enforce the law, which is the executive branch, and one that interprets it in particular cases uh, to resolve controversies. And that branch is supposed to be exempt from political pressure, especially right. the United States Supreme Court. You know, they have life tenure. If it's up to me, I'd get rid of life tenure. But um, they're insulated from politics because of, um, on purpose, on design, to allow them to come to the right result without having to worry about public opinion polls and getting elected the next year and how does this look in the press and am I going to get eviscerated in, uh, you know, some Cornell Law Review article or whatever. They just come to the right result. and. When you have a leak like this, all that is jeopardized. So, um, so when a draft of a court opinion is exposed to public scrutiny, we lose those protections uh, of you know uh, uh, pri- confidential uh, review, and and uh, uh, so this leak then uh, actually hampers the. It's not just the violation in principle but it can actually violate the process of coming to a decision. It certainly could. I'm hopeful that the nine justices on the Supreme Court realize that their decision should not be influenced by this leak and that they will come to the same exact opinions that they would have otherwise. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's no guarantee of that. And uh, one of the things that we didn't mention about my experience is I used to clerk for the Michigan Supreme Court with Dorothy Comstock-Riley for two years. And so I've seen behind the scenes um, how draft opinions are circulated. Uh, I remember one time a draft majority was uh, provided 
by another justice, he ended up being convinced that he was wrong. And we, uh, Justice Riley, ended up writing his position. <laughs> I think it ended up being the majority position. I, I, it's, it's a little foggy, moment, but you know, those things happen. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and so if there were a bunch of protesters outside of uh, you know, the Michigan Supreme Court justices' homes, um, with every decision uh, that, that could have any kind of uh, import, uh, that would be very unhealthy, very corrosive. Yeah. Are you surprised that the president hasn't, uh, you know, come out and severely condemned the leak? Well, again, you, you use that word surprise. Uh, I guess <laughs> what I would say is that um, I, I would hope that the entire political class um, would all come out and say that, you know, regardless of how, and obviously this is an issue that uh, is, is near and dear to the hearts of, of many people, but regardless of your personal predilection and connection with any particular issue, mm-hmm. that this is not the way that justice should be adjudicated. Right. And I, I would ask that all, um, all, influential political actors recognize that and uh, not uh, be obsessed by a particular decision in a particular way, because if this becomes the norm, um, it's it's very, very corrosive and and undermines the rule of law and our separation of powers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, One of the works that you do is is, uh, help to remind us of our first principles as a nation. Uh, You've written America's Survival Guide, How to Stop America's Impending Suicide by Reclaiming Our First Principles in History. You've established uh, Patriot Week. And uh, this work of education seems to me to be absolutely vital. We no longer can count on civics classes in our public schools giving us a good sense of America's origins, uh, uh, the the formation of America's institutions, uh, and how they relate to one another. So this is something that w- the public schools abandoning the task has to be done by uh, citizen groups uh, like what you've done. Tell, tell me when you first decided this had to happen. That's a great question. I would think... Um so I, I went to Wayne State undergrad and uh, fell in love with the history program there and realized how little I really knew yeah. about American history and civics. And then I learned quite a bit because um, it was a fabulous program. Then I went to Michigan Law School, Go Blue, and I realized how um, ignorant, that's the only word I can use, uh, our law professors and our students were in connection with the formation of our country, the founding yeah. era, the Federalist Papers, our yep. underlying foundation. I was just in shock because I thought you know, U of M is one of the greatest law schools in the world. Sure. And um, they just skipped over it. And uh, I realized that um, there was a, a, a fundamental crisis from K through law school that this was not just isolated in law schools or undergraduates, but, or, uh, but also, you know, K through 12. So the whole system has really just done a, a 
a dereliction of duty, I think is the best term for it. There are some great individual teachers out there and great programs, some shining lights, but overall uh, we are at tremendous risk because we are not teaching our students what they need to do, what they need to know to be engaged, uh, meaningful participants to uh, protect our liberties and freedoms. For listeners right now, what would you suggest they do? Uh, probably a lot of us are, are recognizing we really don't know all that we need to know about this nation's founding. Uh, where do they begin? Well, being a person of faith, and you know, I'm an adult convert, and I think we've talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I always believe that you start with yourself first. Yep. Um, that you just just like you develop a relationship with the Lord, you need to develop a relationship with the Constitution of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, the book I, you mentioned, America's Survival Guide, you get on Amazon, a bunch of other online sources. It, it is a good primer. It's designed to help people in a pretty quick way good. Uh, to have a good foundation. Patriot Week is a great way also. We have a great website at patriotweek.org. Um, you know, dive into some of this stuff, learn it, and then start spreading the gospel. Um, uh, not just the gospel of, of our Lord, but the gospel of our country. Sure. Um, and I, I th- there's a lot of resources on Patriot Week. For there's, We have a TV show, we have a podcast, uh, we have a lot of videos, lesson plans. Uh, so, yeah, there's homeschoolers or others, and you just want to learn yourself. It's a great place to go. Patriot Very good. Week.org. Okay, uh, go to PatriotWeek.org, or you can also visit AmericasSurvivalGuard.com. Your Honor, thanks so much. Great talking with you again. My pleasure. Thank you so much. God bless you, and God bless America. Judge Michael Warren, again, uh, he's he's picking up the slack that's been left by public education.